From Matthew, the first chapter, the very familiar Christmas story as told by Matthew. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had born a son, and he named him Jesus. The word of the Lord When I was younger, I, I wanted to try to explain or interpret this bizarre Christmas story. And now I don't. Angels and dreams and miraculous births and guiding stars. I mean, how, how close would a star have to get to earth to actually guide a handful of people to, you know, one house? Or was it a laser beam? I mean, I used to toy with all that. And now uh, I, I don't want to mess with it, which means I'm getting older. I'm more comfortable with mystery, with unanswerable questions. I'm more comfortable with not knowing, having to know everything and living with some things that no one will ever know. Like how is it the earth is spinning counterclockwise? Why counterclockwise? Why not clockwise, the way you're supposed to go? But who set it in motion to go counterclockwise? At a rate of 1,040 miles an hour. That's what you are, that's part of what you are moving right now. Do you feel it? No. So I've come to learn there are some things that are true in the world that I don't have to feel. I don't even have to validate them. And I certainly don't have to explain them. 
The earth is orbiting around the sun 365 days. It'll take us to go all the way around the sun. Do you feel like you're moving around the sun? No. And that's moving at 66,000 miles per hour on a track going around the sun while it's spinning at 1,040 miles an hour. Who determined all of those numbers? Why 1,040? Why not 1,002? I don't know, and I'm too old to care. And how is it that the human brain to bring it down to earth, can see and hear and taste and touch while at the same time be thinking thoughts and feeling feelings and orchestrating bodily functions like my hands moving right now and my heart beating and my mouth moving and my tongue getting out of the way of my teeth so I can say what I'm saying that you're listening to while you're also thinking about what you're going to do this afternoon. All that is going on at the same time by gray matter that is lodged within your skull. So it's, it's, there's big mystery out there as the Milky Way is traveling, by the way, 1.3 billion miles per hour as we rotate around the sun or revolve around the sun. And as we rotate at 1,040 miles per hour, your brain is listening to me and thinking about something else at the same time. How do it know? You ever watched your hands button your shirt? I know you think I'm crazy, but I went to Duke, um, and they teach you these things there. (laughs) Watch your hands in the mirror tomorrow button your blouse or your shirt. They're amazing. I don't know how they know what to do, but one of them on the left knows exactly what to grab and how to grab the button at a certain place and with the thumb push it through a hole that the other one is waiting for. (laughs) And when that button comes through, the one on the left says, okay, got it, pulls the button, and the other one says, let me pull the material so that comes through. They work together. And if one of them gets sick and doesn't show up from work, the other one is lost. They'll take the toothbrush and say, I got the brush. Yeah, I know you do that every morning. I got the tube. Okay, squeeze it just enough, not too much. Okay, I got that. Boom, it's on there. Now, you take a break while I do this, all right? I think I'll turn the water on so he can shave. All right, that's great. How? How's all that going on? Well, you don't have to get out in the universe and travel 1.3 billion miles an hour. You can come right home and watch yourself in the mirror, button your blouse, and you cannot explain it. And this is good that you can't. Because it means God is at work in the world and you don't know how. You don't need to know how. So I'm okay with the Christmas story being weird. I mean, with, you know, the the birth and the shepherds and a flock of angels up in the sky singing. I mean, why don't we get that stuff anymore? And we get dreams with angels and we get 
wise men and stars, and it's all full of mystery. And the real question is not how does all that happen? The real question, the more significant question, is why? Why would the God of the universe who sets the speed for earth in rotation and who develops gray matter and hands that work like an orchestra. Why would that God come in human flesh in Jesus Christ? I want to know why. I don't care anymore about how. I don't need to know how. But why? And I know this was bizarre for the Roman Empire because in that day, they weren't looking for a Messiah who would come and be, you know, a healer and a teacher and all that. They were looking for a warrior. They were looking for a king. The Jews were looking for somebody totally different than Jesus, somebody to make Israel, Israel again, up on top of the mountain of Jerusalem, in charge of the world, a world government in Israel. This is who they were looking for. No wonder this Jesus didn't make the cut. Why would he come? Those of you who've traveled uh, the world, some have been in places where there are ruins of the Roman Empire. And when you're there, you see these tremendous temples to these gods. So the idea is, is that we sacrifice to the gods. We make the gods happy. We put our lives, our fruit, our money on the table so that the God of the universe or the gods of the universe will be happy with us and we'll have good harvest and, and we'll be fertile and we'll be protected. Why? Because the gods were made happy. This is our work to make the gods happy. And we will build these huge shrines, the Parthenon in Athens, this beautiful structure to house the gods. So when God showed up in an infant in the Roman Empire, it was a cartoon, it was funny. That a God would take on or even touch human flesh and, and take on human flesh, tainted, sinful, weak human flesh, that God would take on humanity and come and be with us. No, 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 no. We take our lives to the temple. We sacrifice the bulls and the goats and the sheep and the lambs. We do the work. We make the God happy. It doesn't work where that God comes to us. And especially not in a breastfeeding baby to a couple who aren't even married yet. You're not even playing by your own rules. It's a cartoon Christmas story. And I'm so glad it is because it means God is likely at work in the world outside of my logic. Outside of what I can understand, outside of what I know, outside of what I might think, outside of everything I've read, outside of my theological degrees, stripes and bars. God is at work illogically in this modern world.
It's an amazing story, and yet I can't explain it. Did God come in Christ to judge us? No. If, if that would have been the case, then we would have been judged, and we would have been punished. And yet, instead of us being punished, Christ suffered our punishment of him. This is a great paradox. So did God come perhaps to display power? Well, if you did, it didn't work. Because you came in an infant to the Roman Empire. That didn't make any sense. The love of God for humanity, for every single individual, not for white Christians or brown Christians or or atheists or Jews or Hindus and all that stuff we've set up is wrong. But a God who loves the world that he gave his only begotten son. I think the world means everybody. Everybody. The lost, the found, the righteous, the unrighteous, the pious, the sinful, the rich, the poor, the Republicans, the Democrats, although that's hard. (laughs) I think it means that. The love of God is what's driving the train here. It's not judgment. It's not power. It's not logic. It's not intellectual. It can't be intellectual. How did you fall in love with your spouse? Some of you are still trying to figure that out. (laughs) Mostly women are still dealing with that. How did that happen? Could you tell me the details? Well, I saw him and I liked his eyes or he was funny made me laugh. He was kind and generous. She was beautiful, caring, loving. You tell me a story that had mystery in it because you can't explain the love for your spouse in scientific terms. Science has nothing to do with love. And so don't go to science to ask science how to explain something. Science doesn't even ask the question. Or how did you fall in love with your children? My firstborn, Philip, after that long labor and his birth, which was very taxing on me. hard. Uh, Guys in here know what I'm talking about. (laughs) My firstborn son. How would I give you the details on that? Some shepherds and angels and a wise man and women and a star and I don't know how I'd talk about that. Or when my first daughter was born and they have Laboye. I don't know they do that anymore, but a warm bath and the father takes the child right after birth and puts the child in a bath and they turn the lights down low. And what it's supposed to do is calm that child down and that way they will be that way for the rest of their life. (laughs) That did not work on our daughter, Lee. I needed some more water. 
or our baby when she was born, and I delivered her. Yeah, I did. Put the gloves on, got her, pulled her out. First one to touch her. I've told her many times I might be the last one to touch you if things don't change quick. (laughs) It's a long story how that happened, but if I were to tell you the story of how I started to love my three children, it would not be scientific. It'd be full of mystery and language that is not measurable. What God has done in Christ is not scientific. And for any skeptic listening to us today as we talk about this story that has claimed our lives so deeply, it's okay with us that it doesn't make any sense anymore. It's okay with us that we can't scientifically explain it any more than you can explain how you fell in love with a spouse or a significant other or with your child. You see, the question is not how, it's why. Why would God come in Jesus Christ for us? The only motive, the only motive that makes any sense whatsoever is love. And there it is. (laughs) Don't tell me, Suzanne, you were the one that didn't turn... It's, it's been good having you with us. <laughs> well, maybe that proves my point. We love Suzanne, even when her phone goes off in my sermon. There's only one motive for a relationship, and, and it can't be scientifically explained and Forget about the star and the angels and the dreams and and the, the birth. It's told the way it's told. It is what it is. And it's more than what it is. It's the love of God. That can't be dissected in a classroom. It can only be experienced in the heart Mary was a virgin. Joseph was surprised. No room in the inn. Shepherds are startled. Wise men come from afar. Star guides them to the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know all that. But this was all about love. And don't ask too many questions because you'll ruin it. It's to be experienced. Not explained. And so this same motive is what drives a church and Christians. Why do we care about homeless people? Why should we care about people who don't have enough to eat in this city? Or anywhere? Why do I care what happens in Haiti? Or Nicaragua? Or why would I spend a Saturday building a Habitat house or staying downstairs overnight with homeless folks in Caritas? Or why would I give money and my time to risk for social action issues? Why, would I, why do I care? I got mine. The only explanation for a church is the same explanation for the Incarnation. 
It's love. And if we don't understand that, the rest of it doesn't make any sense. Who we are or what we do. Oh, I think the angel who came to Joseph in that dream messed us all up. Because no longer can we stay detached from this God who created us and comes to us in human flesh and broke out of the temples and broke out of the religion and broke into our hearts. That angel messed us up. Because no longer can we say that God is distant and far removed from us. Because Christ broke all those barriers and came to us in a vulnerable package and taught us about love. That love is more powerful than our knowledge. It's more powerful than our intellectual dilemmas. It's more powerful than what can't happen. More powerful than our resistance to it when it does happen. The powerful message this morning on the fourth Sunday of Advent is this. Out of love, God came to us in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. That's what happened. And who cares how? That's everything I need to know. And it's everything you want to know. Thanks be to God, Paul writes, for this indescribable. Yes, brother, you got that word right. For this indescribable gift. Isn't it exciting to look around this world in all its chaos and wonder what God is doing next? In the name of the Father and of the Son. And if you've heard anything in this sermon that struck a chord with you, I'm going to ask you to say amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.